Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.ag. And for this week only, get a 110% sign-on bonus. 110% of your initial deposit by using code NEXTROUND. That's MyBookie.ag, code NEXTROUND. 24-7 Sports, this is a new backdrop. We have not had Brandon on since uh, he changed backdrops. What happened, Brandon? Uh, I got a new desk. Uh, so, actual real backdrop this time. Not is that a Robocop? Vinyl. Oh, yeah. Huge <laughs> fan. Wait, where is Robocop? It's over his left shoulder. Yeah, right there. Part of him right you there. You see, that's, that's oh, half. That's a half. Damn, Rocky, that's a pretty good pull there. Do you not have a Robocop tattoo? Did we not discover that in Nashville? What? Yeah, I got one yeah. on my right uh, arm here. You don't remember that from Nashville? fan of it. Yeah. yeah. Wow, so Peter Weller fan? Oh, yeah. I've got a signed picture of him over here off camera. I'm uh that's my one obsession is that why, why that movie. Robocop real quick I, probably because um my parents when I was like four or five years old for some reason let me watch that movie which is completely should not be done because it's one of the most violent movies ever that's and most, I was fascinated most with violent it ever since. murder scene I've ever like on a kid like for Peter Weller when he's shot by those guys yeah he's shot like nine thousand times. <laughs> Yeah, so your parents made a poor decision, but it, it molded you for the rest of your life, Brendan? Yeah, for better and worse, and mostly worse. Yeah, so that, messed up. that was a good underrated film uh, from 1987. But what about, right. didn't they remake it in 2014? Yeah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not a fan it's of the It's terrible. Remake. Yeah, you would think with the CGI being as good. Sometimes that can be a detriment, though. The CGI is too good. And they, they yeah. use it as a crutch too much, but you would think that's one of those movies that could be even better, but apparently a, not. Well, it was the story. The story's terrible. The story was bad. That's, that's what makes the original so good is because it's, it's like the perfect tight, tight film. It's sardonic. There's so much satire in there about Reaganomics and the 80s and excess. Um, and then the 2014 version is just like, let's just do some video game action scenes. Wow, but you got Gary Oldman. I'm looking here. Samuel L. Jackson, Michael Keaton. Um, uh, who was the kid from the Bad News Bears that we talked about? Kelly Leak, Jackie Earl Haley. That's a pretty good cast, though. Yeah, very good cast. It's just they didn't have much to work with. <laughs> just a it, shitty it script. Was, uh, <laughs> typically ruins very, a movie. Very bad. Yeah. 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 Oh, my, my last. Even thing. Joel Kinnaman is Robocop. That, that he's a great actor. Oh, the killing. I'm watching him on a show. Killing is fantastic. That's what I hear. I, I've been watching um, uh, uh, For All Mankind. Um, on Apple Plus, he's a star of that. It's an alternate history if the uh, space race never ended between the United States and Russia. Um, it's it's pretty good. Wow. Uh, that guy, 7399 in the chat room, says he watched the Netflix behind the scenes for RoboCop. It says it's very good. I assume you've seen that, Brandon. The oh, mo- yeah, I've seen it. There's actually a documentary that just released recently called RoboDoc that was, that's like six hours long, and it's like the ultimate. They got everybody on it recently to talk about it the the stories are fascinating uh about, about how just hellish it was to make that movie oh this, Great, this is classic. fascinating that you're fascinated by it. i met a couple at a party one time and they were jurassic park freaks i don't know how the conversation started but they knew every single thing it was just the original they'd seen them all but the original they would watch it like once a month and knew everything about it wow well we all got some type of obsession or whatever that's been mine like my my entire life. I I've held myself back from actually like spending a lot of money on it, though I've got like a 
I got a shelf over here of RoboCop stuff. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's um, there's been so many things that I've wanted to spend money on that's like thousands of dollars that I would I think I would get a divorce if that happened. <laughs> we don't want that to happen. Uh, Brandon no. Marcello, 24-7 Sports, uh, covers college football for them. There was no surprise yesterday that uh, the 5-7 model was adopted. I think everybody assumed that was going to happen. What is the next obvious step for the college football playoff now that that adoption is behind us? Let's see if uh, two years from now uh, that, that format remains. Yeah. Uh, the SEC and Big Ten are kind of fighting or at least pushing, I should say, uh, the idea of getting uh, multiple automatic qualifiers for those conferences. So instead of just obviously uh, what it, way it is now or will be with the conference champions uh, getting in, it, they want two potentially for each conference. Um, and actually, that's being discussed a little bit today, but they're having another meeting today. I'm interested to kind of see what the fallout is from that. But, you know, what's this look like uh, two years from now? I, the big thing is the revenue piece, and the way to get more revenue is by having more automatic qualifiers attached to your conference, which is the way the SEC and Big Ten to get that done. Uh, to me personally, that just you're you're shrinking the field once again, and we might as well almost stick with the fourteen playoff in a lot of ways because at that point you're looking at uh, you know only leaving maybe just a few spots for at-large teams, and we're just not going to have as much group of five representation in there. Um, and the whole point of this was to open it up to to allow more uh, teams in. And the other thing is, is the SEC and Big Ten, they're going to get two teams in every year anyway, but they're wanting these automatic qualifiers because they they want that, that name attached. So at this point, like what you're doing for the SEC and Big Ten is you're saying – uh, our conference championships really don't matter because both teams are going to get in. We know that. You're pretty much just saying, give the automatic qualifiers to our teams that qualified for the conference championship, right? And if and if you do that, then what's the point of playing that game if one of those teams is on the periphery potentially and has a chance if they upset the other to get in? Now you're just saying, like, if their two highest-ranked teams are in the conference championship game anyway, they're both going to get in. I, I don't know. I don't I don't. I don't think I like the idea of multiple automatic qualifiers for any conference. I don't either, Brandon, but I, I do feel like – I mean, the motivating factor is money, there's no doubt. But I do feel yes. like, too, they're trying to keep some incentive on these college these conference championship games because I remember us discussing it. You know, if it had been a year later, Texas would have played Georgia, not Alabama. And I remember people on this show, fans you know, in our audience saying – I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine not going to Atlanta. Just hold what you got if you're Alabama. Now, you go to Atlanta, you win, you got a first-round bye. But if you're Alabama with one loss, you're sitting there and you're probably at worst a five or six seed. Yeah, it's great points all around there, too. And I'm going to go back and do some research today. Like, just if, if the Big Ten and the SEC had two automatic qualifiers every year in the modern college football playoff era with the four teams, if we had expanded it to 12 at that point, what that would have looked like. Would it have bumped anybody else out? Would it have provided a first-round buy potentially to a team? Um, uh, not excuse me, a, a team that would be in the in the playoff that would have affected their seating elsewhere as well. Um, but the way it, the way it is, as we all know, the SEC and Big Ten are going to get two teams in at least every year anyway. So why do we need to attach an AQ to it? And to me, the only reason why they want to attach the AQ to it is so that they can legitimately put on paper well the reason why we deserve more money is because we're providing you more teams guaranteed every year 
Um, and again, that's what it all comes down to. It's the money. It's the money. I had my first bold 2024 prediction yesterday. I want to see where you stand on this. I said Billy Napier will either be the SEC coach of the year or he will be fired in season. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you're. I'm with you. It's one of but one or either. It's either of those. It's not going to be anything in the between because, um, as I've mentioned here before, that that you know you know that schedule's insane. Uh, those last five or six games, there's not a tougher stretch in all of America to end a season. Um, so yeah, he's either going to be coach of the year and coach of the year for him against that schedule with that. If they were to win nine games, yeah, that's coach of the year type of stuff. Yeah. And uh, I think you said 10 and two, and I agree with you. I think most 10 and twos brands, at least in the sec, big 10 are going to be in this 12 team playoff, but I think even a nine and three with a schedule like that, depending on how they're playing in November could possibly get you in. Oh, yeah, absolutely it could. Um, and also, I think that's – you make a great point there. How are you playing near the end of the season? That's going to be weighed quite a bit uh, by the committee going forward, of course. How are you playing lately? And, um, you know, uh, that's kind of the argument, of course, with the injury situation at Florida State that they were trying to make there with Florida State. But, again, yeah, mm-hmm. if you're Florida and you have a schedule like that near the end and you finish 9-3 and three and you are winning those games at the end, that's – that's going to lift a team like that into the playoff, potentially. Uh, Brandon, you said those last five games, and we went through this, but I didn't really pull the last five games. <laughs> but this might, and this is not hyperbolic, this might be legitimately the toughest five-game stretch in the history of college football. When you start out with Georgia, at Texas, LSU, Ole Miss, and at Florida State, I mean, that could be five top ten teams, right? Yes, it could be. Um, it's insane. Um, and we say, we say that now, and of course we'll get there in the season and like three of those teams won't even be in the top 25 potentially. You just never know. Uh, especially with the quarterback situations that is in college football this year. It's going to be a real down year, I think, next year for, for college football quarterbacks. But um, absolutely. I mean, you look at the old Misses schedule, that's a team that should easily be undefeated Uh with a seven or eight win season or season be uh, win their first seven or eight straight games and be potentially in the top four already going into the back half of the schedule. Their schedule is so conducive to winning an sec title next year. And if Ole Miss, if Ole Miss doesn't get to the sec championship game this upcoming fall, when will they ever, they've got the team, they have got the schedule. They're avoiding some of the big dogs. They get Georgia, I believe in Oxford this year. They avoid Alabama. This is the year to do it with that roster they've got. And if they don't do it now, like, geez, when are you going to do it? Yeah, they're only going to be underdogs in two games at LSU and against Georgia at home. That's it. And they beat LSU this year. I mean, that's... I mean, the, the problem is, Lane has not really won big games. I mean, that's that's the thing that has plagued him, Brandon, really just about anywhere he's been, but certainly at Ole Miss. And say he's kind of like, he's, he's got a little bit of the James Franklin syndrome. He's going to win a lot of games, but he not, might not win the biggest games. Yeah, it's almost like he we, we tagged him as like the guy who's going to beat Nick Saban in Alabama, and he doesn't. And But for some reason, he still gets that tag. I think he's actually helped a little bit by uh, because of Ole Miss's past history against Alabama under Hugh Freeze. Um, and then also just because of Kiffin's personality and knowing Saban's system and all that, but he had his chances, didn't really get it done. And, um, you know, if he's going to prove himself as a championship calendar coach, you know, this is the year to do it. Um, cause you're right. They haven't really won a 
big, gigantic game at Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin. And, you know, he's in danger this season, which I think anybody, almost practically any coach would, would beg to be, of just being labeled as, yeah, you're going to win nine or ten games, but you're just never going to win a championship. There's those type of coaches out there that can just do enough to get their teams to do that. But when the big moment comes, they just seemingly can't get it done. Um, you know, that's been the label, you know, in the past with Texas Tech teams under Mike Leach, for example, winning nine, 10 games, just never being able to really win a Big 12 championship or make a big splash. Um, and maybe Lane Kiffin's kind of like the more modern version of that right now. But we'll see this upcoming season. I love Ole Miss this year. I love Lane Kiffin as a coach. But that's the that's the legacy he could potentially be leaving there at Ole Miss if he doesn't really make that next step this year. All right, he is Brandon Marcello, 24-7 Sports. You can follow him on Twitter, at BMarcello. It is always a fun conversation with you, Brandon. We greatly appreciate the time. All right, see you guys. Go right. watch RoboCop. I will, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Take care. Brandon with us on the JohnstonRVCenter.com hotline. 